Daniel chapter number 10 this morning. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Word of God says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittakel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remain there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days." And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remained no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me, and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. Now I want you to look backwards with me to verses 12 and 13. I want you to notice these. These are astounding. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. 
But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank You for this day. We thank You for the truth of Your Word. I pray that You'd make it real to us this morning. And Father, that it would be applied to our hearts and lives. Give us courage for the days ahead. But Lord, give us courage for the moments that lie before us right now. Father, to be honest with You and honest with ourselves. And Lord, to yield ourselves to Your working hand. Father, we love You and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I'm interested in Daniel chapter 10, really in the whole chapter, but particularly in verses 12 and 13. An angelic being comes to Daniel and tells him, Daniel, you began 21 days ago to pray about something, and I heard your words, and I'm come to you now. But I would have come earlier, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Michael came to me, one of the chief princes, and he helped me. And now here I am to give you an answer to your prayer. You know, as we consider prayer, we have a sense to think about it in a very two-dimensional way. Prayer is just a matter of me and God. But Daniel chapter 10 reveals to us that prayer, being the chief tool and the chief instrument and the chief weapon in the spiritual battle that we are engaged in, is not a two-dimensional thing, but is rather a three-dimensional weapon that we have. You see, your prayers don't just have to do with you and God. Sometimes your prayers have to do with others that are involved. I want to ask you a question this morning by way of introduction, and I hope you'll answer honestly. How many of you here today have been praying for something? One thing for any length of time. Would you raise your hand? been praying for one thing in particular for an amount of time. Now, how many of you have been praying for that thing for a week or longer? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have been praying for that for a month or longer? Would you raise your hand? Maybe there's some in this room that would raise their hand and say, Preacher, for a year or longer I've been praying for this one thing. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you believe that that prayer has been heard? As we read this chapter, there are a few things that strike me, and I hope I can help you in your prayer life. If you're anything like me, sometimes you get discouraged while you pray for something. That ever happened to you? Sometimes as you pray and ask God and beg God to do something or beg God for something, and the days roll by and the weeks roll by, the months roll by, maybe even the years or the decades seem to tick by that you've been faithfully asking God for this, Sometimes it can be a discouraging thing. In Daniel, we see a few things about his prayer that I think are worth noting. I think they're qualities we ought to all strive for in our prayer lives. I want you to note first off that Daniel was sincere in his prayer. Notice what he says in, in verse number 2. It says, "...in those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks." Now, we do not know all the details about what Daniel was praying for. We do understand that Daniel's prayer had to do with the vision that he had received in chapter number 9. In chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, the famous 70-week vision is given to us in which God reveals that from the point of the issuing of the decree for the children of Israel to go back into the land until the day that God would bring all of the promises that He had made them to fruition was an involved or a, a, a experiential 490 years, 70 groups of 7 years. 
And God reveals to Daniel that after 62 of those weeks, that, uh, that after 62 of those groupings of seven, that the Messiah would come, but that he would be cut off, but not for himself and that there would be left one week at the end of this period of time that was the uh, seven years of tribulation, the seven years of, of Jacob's trouble and Jacob's sorrow. And Daniel has come to understand that the Jewish people are going to have to endure some things before the day comes that all of God's promises are realized. No doubt this troubled him. No doubt it bothered him. Daniel is an old man at this point. We don't know how old, probably in his 80s or older. The Bible says that he continued until the first year of King Cyrus. That doesn't mean he died then. That just means he left the court, wasn't an advisor anymore. Now we're in the third year of King Cyrus, and Daniel is an old man. The remnant of the nation of Israel that have gone back to repatriate the land of Israel have already left. Daniel's friends are gone. He's an old man. His generation has died off. And left alone with this vision that troubles him, he purposes in his heart to go before God and to try to get some answers about what God is doing. How many of you have gone to the prayer closet to get answers sometimes? Try to figure out what God is trying to do. And as he approaches that prayer closet, he approaches it with an attitude of mourning. Now, when we think of the word mourning, we have a tendency sometimes to think of grief and of grieving over someone's death. But that is not what Daniel is denoting. In fact, he goes on to explain that not only was he sincere in his prayer, but he was singular in his prayer. Because he says, I ate no bread, and I ate no flesh, and I drank no wine, and I didn't anoint myself. That's what he means by mourning. He's saying, I was serious as I prayed to God about this. It was my singular focus. It wasn't just one of a big long laundry list of things or a big Christmas wish list that I had for God. It wasn't something that I just threw in at the end before I said my final amen. But as I approached unto God, I had this issue on my mind and nothing else, and I was praying and begging God for this one thing. I believe we have this truth revealed to us in the life of Paul, don't you? Paul makes this statement concerning the thorn in the flesh that he endured. He said that three times he asked God to take it away. Three times. I don't think Paul's saying just three times. I think he's saying through three dedicated periods of time. Maybe it was a time of fasting. Maybe it was a time where he shut himself away from the world. Uh, but Paul is saying three distinct times. I made it my purpose to seek God. I was singular in my prayer. There's been times that I've prayed and asked God to do something and the measure to which I was earnest about it was in stark contrast to the amount of time it was given. Uh, in other words, you know, when you just kind of throw something in at the end of a prayer as an afterthought, that's a good indication you may not be serious about it. Sometimes when something needs a lot of work, we invest a lot of time. Somebody say amen to that. We invest a lot of interest and a lot of focus. There's some of you in this room that your prayer closet has been occupied with one chief thing for some amount of time. Maybe it's some loved one that you're praying for and begging God to save. Maybe it's a problem that exists in your body. Maybe it's some kind of strife in the midst of your marriage. But you have been singular as you've asked God. It's not that you haven't prayed about other things, but that was the thing that dominated your prayer life. Daniel was singular. But I want you to notice that he was steadfast in this prayer. He didn't just pray one time. He didn't just pray and forget about it. But for 21 days, he stood praying and fasting 
and asking God for this. And yet we find that it took 21 days for God to answer. You know, sometimes there's only one reason our prayers don't get heard. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. You'll misunderstand me. There's only one reason our prayers don't get heard. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But there's a multitude of reasons that our prayers may not get answers. You know what the Bible says? Some of you say, well, what if we ask for the wrong thing? Well, you still get an answer. The book of James says that ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. You still get an answer. And every time that we go to the Lord, can I encourage you by saying this? Every prayer that you've ever prayed when you've been in the will of God has been a prayer that God's heard. Daniel prays and asks God for this. There's nothing wrong with his prayer. Uh, You stick with me. We'll we'll get on the same page in a second. Prayer is not a two-dimensional thing. There was nothing wrong with Daniel's prayer. There was nothing wrong with God's hearing. But there were other things involved in this process. It was the right kind of prayer. It was prayed in the right manner. And it got some things from the Lord. I want you to notice them with me. I want you to notice with me a few thoughts. Notice first off the power of asking. There are some things that happened the moment that Daniel began to ask God for this. Notice first off with me the perception of his prayer. Look what it says in verse number 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Notice this next phrase, Thy words were heard. In other words, the moment that Daniel uttered them, was the moment that God heard them. Isn't it encouraging to know, even when we're waiting on an answer, we're not waiting on a confirmation. We've got the confirmation. God's already heard. Oh, let me say that again. I I don't know. Maybe maybe we're... Is this a Pentecost experience? Do I sound like I'm in French to you or or Spanish or something? I, I think I'm preaching in English, but I don't know what it sounds like to you. See, some of you, if you meant business when you raised your hands a moment ago and you've really been praying for something for any amount of time, that's the place where you ought to shout when you realize God has heard that prayer. You understand that, right? I mean, God has bent an ear to your need and heaven has heard from you. You say, preacher, it don't feel like heaven's heard from me. No, but see, this is a matter of faith. You've got to decide whether you're going to trust your feelings or trust your faith. God says, I've heard, I've listened, I've noticed, I've recognized your prayer. No doubt in those 21 days, Daniel maybe thought to himself, I wonder if God hears me at all. And probably in the past week or month or year or decade, you've probably had some thoughts where you've said, I wonder if God heard me at all. I wonder if God really listened to what I said. Let me give you by scriptural authority this answer. God did hear your prayer. God did hear your prayer. We see the perception of his prayer was immediately given. Then I want you to notice not only the perception of his prayer that was gained by him asking, but notice the provision of his prayer. God not only heard this prayer immediately, but God even answered this prayer immediately. Because notice what the next phrase says. Look at what it says in verse number 12. He says, "...and I am come for thy words." The reason that this angel was standing now in the presence of Daniel was because Daniel asked. Because he asked God. 
You know one of the chief reasons we have not? Because we ask not. You wouldn't believe the things God wants to do for us that He'll only do through prayer. God doesn't do things through coincidence. God does things through prayer. God doesn't do things through happenstance. God does things through prayer. You say, preacher, why should I have to ask God? Because that's the only way God will get the glory. And in case you didn't know, it's all about Him getting glory. And so prayer is the means through which God exercises His will in this world. His will is that you pray and seek Him and ask for it. You say, but preacher, what if I don't get it? You'll only get what God wants you to get. And what God wants you to get is all you'll need to get. Amen? We see in this passage that God immediately sent help. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd do better if I'd named it like help is on the way or something and, you know, shouted or something like that. But the truth of the matter is, some of you, you're waiting on God and you're begging God and you're pleading God to do something and you can't figure out why God has an answer. But the truth is, maybe He already has answered. And that answer is on its way. He says, I'm coming for your words. You know what the implication is? If Daniel hadn't prayed, the angel would have never came. You know the prayers that God definitely never answers is the ones that we don't pray. One way to guarantee that that need won't be met is just don't pray about it. Just don't ask God for it. Just don't seek the Lord's face about it. One way to be sure and stay in the dark is just never ask God for wisdom. One way to be sure and stay discouraged is never ask God for encouragement because God is seeking to do that in your life. But you have to pray and ask for it. I want you to notice not only the provision that was given in response to His prayer, but notice the priority that was given to His prayer. Now, I'm going to try to answer a question that maybe some of you have had. And that question may be this. Preacher, once I've prayed for something, do I need to keep praying for it? We notice an interesting change take place in the midst of this verse here. And I want us to notice this carefully. This chapter reveals to us this truth, that in the spiritual warfare in this world, evidently there are certain angelic beings that are charged with the responsibility and influence of certain nations. Now you say, preacher, where do you read that? Well, notice what he says at the very end of the chapter. It says, Michael, your prince. If you were to look over in chapter number 12, we'd find that we're told that Michael, the archangel, is the chief prince, the chief advocate on the behalf of the nation of Israel. The angel that is speaking here to Daniel evidently had a responsibility to contend in the kingdom of Persia. And once he's gone, there's going to be another angel tasked with the divine influence in the kingdom and empire of Greece. Because he says, when I'm come, the king of Grecia shall come also. So if Michael, the archangel, is tasked... And by the way, angels are not omnipresent, right? They're not omnipresent. They can't be everywhere at one time. God is omnipresent because He's outside of time and He's all-encompassing of time. But angels are not omnipresent. They're either here or they're there. And the Bible says this. Here is Daniel. He's in Babylon. He's in Persia. There's a group of about fifty to 70,000 Jews that have gone back to rebuild the land of Israel. And Michael the archangel... 
he's not in Israel with them. Rather, he's in Persia giving relief to the angel that was sent to Daniel. You know what that tells me? That tells me that sometimes prayer can readjust priorities in the spiritual realm. One angel was sent to assist Daniel, but when preoccupied with his responsibilities in the court at Persia, Michael was sent to give him relief. You know what that tells me? Keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying. It did not happen on the first day, but sometime between the first day that Daniel started to pray and the 21st day when this angel comes to him, notice what the angel says, but lo, Michael, the chief prince, came unto me. He came and assisted me. He came and strengthened me. In other words, at some point, as the prayers of Daniel sounded in the halls of heaven, God looked over at Michael the archangel and said, Go give relief to that angel in Persia, because Daniel is praying for help. That tells me that prayer not only needs to be a sincere thing, it needs to be a persistent thing. You don't just pray over something once and then give up. The more you pray, the more priority and focus is lent to it. Isn't that the story that Christ gives concerning uh, the uh, uh, man that comes to his neighbor's house and is seeking help in the middle of the night and he knocks on the door and he wants his neighbor to come and to give him some provision, some food because he's had an unexpected guest. And the man says, go away, I'll help you tomorrow. But the man keeps knocking and the man says, go away, I'll help you tomorrow. And the man keeps knocking and keeps knocking and keeps knocking. And Christ said, eventually, that man opens his door just because of the knocking. An old woman, Christ told the story, goes to a judge, to a magistrate seeking help and asks this man to give her help in her current situation. That magistrate says, no, I'm not interested. And so she comes the next day and that man says, no, I'm not interested, I'm sorry. And she comes the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and finally, just to get her out of his hair, he helps her. You say, preacher, is that how God is? No, God's even better than that. Because He don't get put out with us. The more we pray, the more it matters. The more we pray, the more influence we have. The more we pray, the greater priority is given to it. Why? Because it expresses to heaven our need of it. My little boy, he's, uh, he's getting to that age where he needs things. Any of you ever have a little kid and they got to that age where they needed things? You say, like what, preacher? I don't know, because he don't know. But sometimes he'll run around the house and he'll look at his mom and he'll say, I need. We'll say, you need? What do you need? And he'll say, I need. And we'll say, what do you need? And he'll say, I don't know. <laughs> I know adults like that too, but he'll say, I need, I need, I need. You know what happens when we don't pray? We're saying to the Lord, I don't really need that. I don't really need that. It's not really important. One thing you learn about buying Christmas gifts for young children, my, my son's not this age yet, but you don't ever buy them gifts too far from Christmas. Because if you buy them back in August, by the time Christmas comes around, they won't even recognize the gift that you bought them. Some new commercial will have come on. Some new toy will have come out. Some new contraption will have taken its place. They asked in the moment because they wanted it. But they didn't keep asking because they didn't need it. They just simply wanted it. 
Day number one told God that Daniel wanted him to answer. Day 21 told God that Daniel needed him to answer. So we see there's some power in asking. There are some things that happen immediately when Daniel asked. But we notice that not only is there some power in asking, but evidently there are some preventions in the answers that were given. Now, here's where I want to preach for just a moment now. There were some things that hindered the answer from reaching Daniel. It's not that Daniel would not accept the answer, but merely that the answer took more time than Daniel wanted to get there. I wonder what are some things that could cause our answer to be delayed. It didn't delay the hearing. God heard immediately. But it delayed the answer. Well, there's a few things I think are implied here. I would say sometimes the answers to our prayers take time because sometimes words have to be spoken. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, remember, your prayers are not a two-dimensional thing. Let me give you an example. If you're praying for your loved one to get saved, that involves more than just you and God. God does not force anyone to get saved. They must choose to be saved. And so evidently, as we pray and ask God to work in someone's life, and God prioritizes that person, begins to deal with that person, begins to send people to that person, that person still must make a free will choice. And as God begins to deal and work on their heart, sometimes it takes time. When I got saved, I was a 10-year-old boy. I don't know. I don't remember much before 10 years old. I don't know what happened to me when I was young, but I don't remember a lot. Any of you like that? I don't know. They tell me that means something bad. I don't know. I had an older brother, so I got beat up a lot, and I don't remember it. But I don't remember a lot. But I got saved when I was 10. When I was 10, that's the first time I remember being under real Holy Ghost conviction. I don't. It may have happened before then. I don't know. My experience was I fell under conviction and asked God to forgive me and save me. But some of you, some of you it may have taken a little longer. Some of you remember being under conviction for a month, two months, three months, maybe a year or two years. And as you look back and think about that time, you can probably remember some people that God sent your way. You can probably remember some messages that were preached to you. Maybe you can remember some tragedies that took place in your life. You say, preacher, what was God doing? The Bible says that one planteth and another what? Watereth. But God giveth the increase. It don't take long to plant a seed, but it takes a little time to water it. Sometimes, as you're praying for that loved one, maybe you're not even praying for a loved one to be saved. Maybe you're praying uh, for God to do something in your body and to heal you. Maybe God's working on the heart of the doctor. Maybe you're praying and you're asking for God to fix some financial situation that you're going through. Did it ever dawn on you that maybe God's working on the heart of your boss? I remember when we were getting ready to move that uh, it occurred to me one day. You know, sometimes things just occur to you. I'm not a real bright person. I don't know everything. Sometimes things just occur to me. And we were praying. We had waited. Our house had been on the market for eight months. We were waiting. We had had about half a dozen or a dozen showings. And, and it, the, the real estate agent called us and said, well, you know, maybe we'll just take it off the market. It's wintertime and this, that. And I reached that place of discouragement. You think, man, it's never going to sell. It's never going to happen. And in a moment, it was like God spoke to me and said, have you ever thought about the fact, Toby, that maybe God's waiting for somebody else to sell their house? Somebody else to sell their house. 
I don't know if you realize this, but you can't sell a house to somebody that's already got one anymore. Amen? That's over. That's done. You just you have to be homeless to buy a house now. You say, Preacher, what are you getting at? What I'm saying is this. Our prayers affect more than just us. And sometimes it takes time for God to work on the hearts of others. What did he mean by saying, I remained there with the kings of Persia? Again, we don't know all the circumstances. God shrouds some of this in mystery. But we understand that evidently the kings of Persia were meeting. And there in the Persian royal court, something was being decided, something was being established, something was being determined, and God had His influences and His forces working in the midst of that group. We know that God works in nations, right? We know that God sets them up and God sets them down. And evidently, God was trying to do something there in the midst of that court. And that angel was required to be there to work in someone's heart. This wasn't a time like today. The Holy Ghost is the one that works in hearts. And the Holy Ghost is omnipresent. Somebody say amen, right? That's a good doctrinal statement. The Holy Ghost is omnipresent. At that time, the Holy Spirit did not work in that same form and in that same fashion. And so this angel was there in this spiritual warfare trying to win the battle concerning this matter. I think sometimes words have to be spoken is the reason our prayers are delayed as God works in other people's lives. But I think sometimes wills have to be broken. You know, it's interesting what's said here. He says, the king of the, or the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Withstood me. Can I give you a New Testament verse that goes along with this? In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, we're told this. For we, now let, let this soak in. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Stop and think about that for a moment. It doesn't say we do not only wrestle with flesh and blood. That's not what it says. It says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Can I give you an illustration of that? To say that coincidence dictates things is to say that the chariot drives itself. To say that personal choice dictates all things is to say that the horse steers the chariot. But to say that the Lord working in the lives of others determines things and the spiritual warfare dynamic is expressive in the issues of life is to say that the driver drives the chariot. Let me tell you something. When, when you're praying for that loved one to be saved, oh yeah, you're praying for them. But understand that there's a whole spiritual warfare going on around their life. There's people trying to keep them from hearing the gospel. There's people trying to help them to hear the gospel. There's people trying to cloud their understanding of the gospel. There are people that are trying to clear their understanding of the gospel. And when I say people, I'm not just talking about flesh and blood. I'm talking about spiritual forces. I'm talking about angelic beings. I'm talking about demonic beings. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Part of the reason we're losing the spiritual battle is because we're fighting it temporally. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. The truth is, it's not that person that did you wrong that you're wrestling against. It's the one that made the person do you wrong that you're wrestling against. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, 
Notice this. Against spiritual wickedness. That's two words we're not usually familiar with hearing together, are we? Spiritual. That has the, the idea of pneumos and the idea of, of that which is of the spiritual realm. And wickedness, that which is vile, that which is corrupt, that which is satanic. So in other words, if I read my Bible right, it tells me that as I pray and as I serve God, it's not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. And there are spiritual or divine influences, but there are demonic influences as well. In other words, Daniel is praying for God to give him an answer to this. But this angel is working in Persia and there is a demonic influence that is withstanding him. How would that demonic influence be expressed? It would be expressed through Satan's will being carried out through a human instrumentality. You understand that God works through instrumentality, right? Right? You understand Satan also works through human instrumentality. So what's the result of it? Someone's will has to break. Either the man that is under the influence of Satan, his will will break. Or the man who God is using as a mouthpiece and as the one that will dictate his will and carry out his wishes in that court, his will will break. And you know, sometimes as you pray, especially for your loved ones, you know what you're waiting for? You're waiting for their will to be broken. Let me tell you something. i got people that I love dearly. And right now, I think God wants to save them. In fact, I don't just think it. I know that God wants to save them. God's not willing that any should perish. God wants to save my loved ones. What's stopping them from getting saved? They're stopping them from getting saved. You say, well, what's the purpose in prayer then? The purpose in prayer is to heap power and armament to the side of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to give priority to their need and to their soul and to their salvation. Because it must be their choice. God didn't force you to be saved and God won't force them to be saved. I, I, I don't know if I can really convey it. And I'm, I'm just, Lord, I'm trusting you to help me. This is a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. When you sit in your heart to pray for that person to get saved... The warfare heightened. And the devil wants to keep them in darkness. And your prayers can be the deciding thing that opens their eyes and looses them from that bondage. You say, preacher, I just don't know if God heard me. Oh, yes, God heard you. God heard you. Well, preacher, haven't they, why haven't they been saved yet? Because it has to be their choice. And we're waiting for their will to be broken. You say, but preacher, what can I do? Keep praying. And somebody like Michael might just show up to give you some help. Keep praying. God might just send some bona fide man of God their way, filled with the Holy Ghost, to speak a word in season that they need to hear. Keep praying. Keep praying. Gather folks around you to help you pray. Get as many people praying as you can get praying because the amount of prayer makes a difference. It makes a difference. I think sometimes wills must be broken. But, you know, I think that sometimes worship must be woken. Something that we see happening in this passage is this. Daniel in chapter 2, or in verse number 2 and 3, what position do you see him in? He's on his hands and knees with his face to the ground. Verse number 9, where do we find him? On his hands and knees with his face 
to the ground. Verse number 15, where do we find Daniel? On his hands and his knees with his face to the ground. Sometimes we're waiting on the answer because God's doing something in them. But sometimes we're waiting on the answer because God's doing something in us. Sometimes it's a matter of waiting for their will to be broken. Sometimes it's a matter of waiting for our worship to be woken and for us to draw closer to the Lord. I understand maybe this is a step backwards from the point I've been trying to convey. But don't think just because your prayers are three-dimensional, don't think that you're not one of those dimensions. Don't think just because your prayers involve others that they don't involve you. And it's been said before by much smarter and spiritual men than me that prayer is less about bending God's will to ours and more about bending our will to His. And sometimes the great change that prayer is making is not only in the lives of others, but it's in your life. God was doing some things in Daniel's life. And we see some things that occurred because of it. In fact, let me give you a few of these and I'll I'll hush. We'll go to the house. I want you to notice not only the power of asking and not only the prevention of answers, but in closing, I want you to notice the product of approaching unto God. What were some things that were accomplished in Daniel's life because he approached unto God? What, what, What did he accomplish by this? Well, I want you to notice first off that Daniel was given a fresh visit in verses 5 through 7. We won't take the time to read it. We've already read it. But you read that passage, and you'll find that that's not just an angelic being that it's talking about, but rather that's the Lord Jesus Christ that it's talking about. Now, God did give Daniel an answer to his prayer. But in those 21 days, what Daniel got before he got an answer to his prayer is he got a visit from the Lord and a new understanding of who God was. You know, oftentimes, and listen, sometimes we've got the destination so set that we miss the journey. And sometimes as we pray for something and we're waiting for God's answer, we miss God's working in the midst of that time. You're praying and you're asking God to deliver you or asking God to save your loved one or asking God to give harmony in your home, whatever it might be that you're praying and begging God to do. Don't let it get lost in the midst what God is doing before He does what He's going to do. The Lord showed up in Daniel's life. This prayer brought him closer to the Lord. And sometimes that battle has a way of doing that. We see he was given a fresh visit. I want you to notice he was given a fresh vigor through the midst of this. After he sees the Lord, it leaves him weak. He says that my comeliness has turned into corruption. You know what that means? It means all of my beauty is laid waste. He's not necessarily saying that I turned ugly in a moment. What he's saying is this. What I thought was beautiful about myself, I now see as ugliness. I'm weak. I'm incapable. All the strength that I thought I had, I don't have. But then the Bible says, One like unto the similitude of the sons of man reached down and touched him and said, Be strong, Daniel, be strong. And when those words were spoken, a new strength was given to him. What was that strength for? Was it so he could jump up and run a marathon? No. Was it so that he could go out in the field and begin to work and swing a pick and and plant a garden? No. The strength was given to him for the spiritual warfare that still lay ahead of him. Let me tell you something. As long as we are in this world, it is warfare. Spiritually. 
as long as we are in this world, it will always be warfare. And if you're going to fight this spiritual warfare... Now, if you're going to be like most Christians, if you're going to be on the margin, if you're going to be shallow, don't worry about it because you won't fight the battle. But if you're willing to wake up and realize that this is literally a day-in, day-out battle for the souls of men, for the lives and well-being of our young people, for the strength and power and influence of our local churches, if you're willing to recognize that, if you're willing to put on your armor and take up your sword, then understand it will take strength to do so. It will take strength. Distraction won't do. Uh, uh, minor devotion won't do. Marginal devotion isn't going to cut it. It's going to take something more. And you're going to need strength for that. Sometimes it's through these spiritual battles that we are strengthened. And God reaches down and gives us a touch from heaven that we were not expecting. He's given a fresh vigor. But then finally, I want you to notice He is given a fresh vision. I sort of think that what Daniel was asking for was clarification. I don't know. does not say that. But we do know that at the end of the chapter, the angel says, I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth. So I sort of believe that what Daniel was praying and asking God for was clarity about the vision in chapter number 9. And in fact, God does give him clarity. In chapter number 11, God begins a detailed explanation of what is going to take place in the Gentile world between their present time under the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire. You say, but preacher, the Romans have been gone for a long time. Yeah, but the Roman Empire is going to rise again. That beast will rise again. Right now, we're in the times of the Gentiles, and, and, and Israel is trodden underfoot. And, and the nation of Israel, God's not dealing with them in a, in a dispensational sense right now, and there's coming a day when it will. And so the church age is not in view here. And so basically what the Lord does in chapter number 11 is He says, All right, Daniel, here's an explanation of what's going to happen. You know what that did for Daniel, and you see it in chapter number 12. God gives him instruction as to his actions. Or can I put it this way? God gives him marching orders for the spiritual battle. He tells Daniel to seal these things up, to put them in a book that it's not for many days. And he says, one day you're going to stand at your appointed place. You're going to stand in your life. In other words, Daniel, here's what you need to know for now, and here's what you need to do in the moment. Some of us, we're so worried about what's going to happen five years from now that we're letting today slip away. We're so worried about what's going to happen. Uh, in the, and I'm trying to be careful how I say I believe what we believe about the end times matters. Don't you? Believe what we believe about the end times matters. I, I, I'm, I'm premillennial, and I, and I believe you ought to be premillennial. But sometimes we spend so much time sitting and fussing about details that we waste away the time that we have right now in this moment. Let me tell you this. And I believe we can know God's program for end times. I believe we can through the Word of God. But let me tell you what I know beyond anything else right now. I know that we're in the church age. Somebody say amen. I know there's lost sinners. Somebody say amen. I know God's still saving sinners. Somebody say amen. And I know that it's still you and me that ought to take the gospel to them. We have our marching orders. Sometimes we're so distracted with with later on down the road that we miss the next few steps. You know what he got through this prayer? He got orders of what he was to do. He begged and he asked God. And you know what God did? He answered. And you know what? Ultimately, that answer prevailed. Ultimately, it got there. It may have taken 21 days, but it got there. 
if I could encourage you, and, I, and I'm, I'm weary this morning, can I just close by encouraging you and saying this? If you're praying, keep praying. If you're not praying, start praying. If, if you're praying, pray more. Don't give up on your loved one. Pray more. Don't give up. Don't give up on your home. Pray more. Don't give up on whatever that situation is. Pray more. Pray more. Pray more. Because praying more matters.